Welcome to the podcast for ambitious women. I'm your host, Dr. D. Franey. If you're a leader, innovator, or change maker, you belong here. Because around here, ambitious women are encouraged to have big, bold, unapologetic goals and dreams, and given the tools to execute and achieve them without the pressure, hustle, overwhelm, or burnout. Ladies, it's time to unlock your potential. What is up, ambitious women? How are you doing today? Oh, it is a beautiful sunny day here in Germany. It's so nice to get some natural vitamin D. It's been raining so much. I know I talk about it a lot, but I was joking that I was going to have to start snorting vitamin D. <laughs> so I've been outside all day. It's been so nice. And hey, I'm a little manic. So pretty excited about that. Tomorrow I'm going to bitchy France. I'm not exactly sure if that's how they say it, but it's bitch with an E and me and a girlfriend are going to check it out. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. If we're not connected on the Instagram, you should come find me over there because I'm definitely going to be putting some pictures from my trip to bitchy France. <laughs> I'm at D Franey. Let's be friends. So as you may know, this is the third episode in a series that I have called, So You Want to Be a Helper. In the first one, episode 51, we talked about selflessness. And episode 53, we talked about self-denial. And today, we are talking about how to be an effective giver. Because if you are anything like me, and you probably are because you're here listening, I know that you are a purpose-driven giver who wants to help, who loves to help, like uh, literally in the top list of things that you have to do, the most fulfilling and meaningful work has something to do with giving. So right on, you are awesome. And I love that we are friends, but hey, some of us, um, you know, purpose-driven, loving givers tend to do this in a way that is very detrimental to our own well-being. And we got to stop that shit, <laughs> right? Like, because you're here, you want to change the world. You want to make it a better place. Let's help you be the best giver that you can possibly be so that you, you can have a bigger impact so you can help more people and not kill yourself trying. This is, I'm super excited because this, I think is really a cornerstone um, piece of the new group program that I am working on. And it's probably gonna come, I don't know, still picking um, time, but at the end of the year, beginning of the, the new year, the Good Fight Club, um, it's gonna be a group program all about helping change makers be fit to fight, to have the resiliency to take on big social change. So we gotta be effective givers if we're gonna help change the world. And I don't know, if you look around in every direction, the world needs some fucking help. <laughs> so yeah, let's do this. So if you've listened to the first couple episodes in this series, you already know this, but we're gonna do a quick recap in case you're starting with this one first, you silly um, rule breaker, you. Hey, we wear our self-neglect as a badge of honor for many of us helpers, right? And culturally, as women, we use it as proof that we are the most committed, the most selfless, 
of them all. And it's almost like we think that we are winning the imaginary selflessness Olympics. Newsflash, there isn't that. <laughs> but I think some of you could be a contender for that gold medal. But is there is no um, competition. There is no selflessness or suffering Olympics. Guys, this practice of wearing our self-neglect as a badge of honor, of um, denying ourselves in order to be the best helper, it's killing us. It's killing us mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of the things. And it makes us resentful to those we give to. If you're being honest, think about it. If you're feeling um, unappreciated, (laughs) uh, that is uh, the breeding grounds for resentment. It also makes us far from selfless when we are resentful, right? Because we're actually thinking about our own needs and how they're not being met and expecting somebody else to meet them for us. And this also makes us super fucking ineffective, right? Because it reduces our power and our impact in giving. Because if we are chronically self-denying from a place of selflessness, we are an empty pit of needs that are being unmet. Before we talk about how to be an effective giver, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the spectrum of giving. The spectrum of giving is based upon levels of self-interest and others' interest. We have our friends, the takers. Takers give more than they receive. Their own self-interest is their primary focus. They have a very low other's interest. They want what they want because they want it. And they're going to take the help, the credit, whatever it is, to make sure that their needs and wants and desires are fulfilled. Everybody else be damned. Then we have matchers. Matchers will give as much as they receive. It's a quid pro quo, right? They expect something back. They will give as long as it serves them in meeting their own needs. So they still have a a pretty high self-interest, self-motivation to have their needs met, but they are more giving in order to get their own needs met. And then we've got our givers are selfless givers, right? Who give more than they take. And the needs of others is their primary focus, right? Super high others focus, very low self-interest. There is a focus and a celebration of selflessness among us givers. And in order to execute this, we end up self-denying. So selflessness or selfless is high others' interest, a low self-interest. And this breeds the environment for problematic selflessness and chronic self-denial, which we've talked about. And we talked all about why it's really bad. Burnout and exhaustion, however, rarely come solely from physical depletion, but more often from a mental and emotional stress of the imbalance. It's called in the research and the literature, compassion fatigue. And it's the stress, the strain, and the weariness of caring for others at the expense of self. So here's the root of the problem in our thinking. 
self-interest and other interest, they're not even on the same continuum. They are not opposing ends of a linear spectrum, right? They're not competing ends. It is not either or. They're actually independent motivations. You can have high self-interest and high others' interest. You can have very low self-interest and low others' interest. That's a very apathetic person, by the way. So self-interest and others' interests are kind of like a hybrid machine or hybrid engine, right? A hybrid engine runs on both gas and electric. It's not either or. It toggles between the two based on the needs, based on the environment, right? So it's possible to have high self-interest and high others' interest. What? <laughs> I know, right? Your mind might be exploding a little bit here. It is possible to have both, but our either or mentality prevents us from seeing that. So this type of giving, we don't even recognize it when we believe that you can only be selfish or selfless, right? Either or. You're either selfish or selfless. There's nothing in between. So when we buy into the either or duality, we don't see or recognize that there is this fourth way of giving, this fourth way of being in the spectrum, right? Again, there's takers, matchers, givers. And I want to propose to you or introduce you to this idea. Actually, if you want to learn more about this, you can read Give and Take by Adam Grant. It's fantastic. He goes into all of the research and literature about this, the, the, the strengths, the weaknesses, and, and um, the interaction in relationships uh, because of this. Um, but I'm going to give you kind of a high-level overview of one part of what he talks about. And what this is, is this fourth identity in the spectrum of giving. And this is the most successful givers. And these givers are otherish and not selfless. What? So hear this again. There are two types of givers. The givers that are prone to burnout and exhaustion and resentment and are ineffective are selfless givers. But the very most successful givers are otherish givers. Being an otherish giver means that you care about benefiting others and you also have your own ambitious goals for advancing your own self-interest. And that's not a bad thing. We don't judge ourselves for having self-interest or self-needs. And this otherish giving is the key to preventing burnout and getting burned by takers and matchers. It's crazy, right? Are you like floored? <laughs> you can be an otherish giver. It's not just selfless or selfish. All right. Take a deep breath. <laughs> I know that's kind of a gut bunch, right? So we need to check in with your giving. We need an honest, raw, open assessment of how you currently give. You might already know. You might already know from hearing the initial description of takers, matchers, selfless givers, and other-ish givers. But here is some real self-assessment, self-awareness that needs to happen in order for us to shift from being a selfless giver to an otherish giver. First, we need to be mindful of what our motivation is for giving. 
Is it true service? Is it coming from love? Is it people pleasing? Is it the fear of saying no? Is it the fear of not having control and other people messing it up? <laughs> we want to be mindful to who we are giving to. Are they a giver, a taker, or a matcher, right? We want to avoid takers, the energy vampires, the dependent people, the expectant people, the demanding types, right? The ones that don't value our contribution, that will use us to advance their own needs. We also want to be cautious with matchers. What might they make, what might they expect in return if they were to give to us, if they were to help us? And are you willing to give that in return to have a matcher help you? I think I got this next suggestion from Brene Brown. It's the post-it note trick. Who is on your post-it? Um, you know, we often get worried about what all the other people are going to think about us and all, and what if we disappoint all the people in the world <laughs> or all the people we happen to know? Um, when in reality, the people, if you actually in, sat with yourself and said, who would I be devastated if I hurt or disappointed or let down? That would be a very short list. In fact, that list of people would fit on a post-it note. When I did this exercise, there were four names on my post-it note. Unfortunately, my grandmother has passed away since then. Um, so there's three people. There are literally three people on my post-its and I have a lot more family members than that y'all. <laughs> so, um, and you know, it's funny, I still check in. Hey, would my grandma be upset with this? <laughs> Um, you know, I try to channel her and, and, and her support when I do things, right? So who are the names that are on your post-it? Who are the people that you would be devastated if you frustrated, hurt, disappointed, let down? I'm going to tell you that most of the time when I'm worried about what these people on the post-it might think of me, if I do things differently, if I mess up, if I make a mistake, they're going to have my back. They're going to be like, yeah, you messed up, but, but I love you and you're awesome and keep getting after it, right? The people on my post-it are always gonna have my back. So when we think about giving, who is on your post-it? We wanna make sure that we give to the people on our post-it first and not last. And honestly, they're the only people that you should quote unquote, please, right? Don't need to be people pleasing all the people. And honestly, the people on our post-it don't know don't need to be pleased. They need to be loved on, right? We want to give to the people on our post-it note first. And please, for the love of God, put them on your schedule first and always, right? Don't assume because they're your most important people, your most important relationships, that you're going to take care of them first. So often we have trained ourselves to follow a calendar or an agenda and if they aren't on it, if our post-it note people aren't on our calendar or our agenda, will you even have the time and energy left to give to those people, to those relationships? Don't just assume that because they are your most important people that you're going to do it. You've created a system for um, organizing your time and your attention. Put your most important people on there. Give them the best of you. Give to them first. Okay. Got a little rancy on that, but so often we give to the other moms at the PT, PTA, um, 
you know, at the expense of our children. We give to, uh, you know, that community organization uh, at the expense of our partner. Why, right? It's just because we haven't put them on our calendar, on our agenda. We assume that we're always going to take care of them first. So we give to the people we love the most first. Okay, that's such a good, good tip for how to clean up your most important relationships, y'all. Uh, when we also um, are getting mindful of who we are giving to, before we even give to our post-it note people, we need to say yes to ourselves first. As a giver, I mean, this is true of all humans, but as a giver, it is non-negotiable. Your cup must always be full first, right? I learned from Lisa Nichols, she said that you give from the overflow, not from the cup. Your cup is your vital life force. If your cup ain't full, you are um, running on fumes. Like you don't even have enough for your own needs. That means your needs are not being met, right? We want to take care of ourselves in such a way that our cup is overflowing. We have an abundance of energy and love and attention and focus to give. The cup is the vital life force. We give from the saucer, from the overflow. Okay. So if you notice you're giving from the cup rather than the saucer, you just need to rebalance. No judging ourselves, no criticizing ourselves. We're just going to ask, what do I need right now? Maybe it's a nap. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a, a chance to take a break from work. Maybe you need a walk, maybe whatever, right? What do you need? Fill up your cup, keep the cup full, give from the overflow. We need, to, in order to be able to say yes to ourselves first, we also need to know what our own priorities and needs are. When's the last time you checked in with yourself about what you truly want and need? If it's been a while, this might take some time and it might be a little uncomfortable in the beginning in order to reconnect with yourself. If you've been in a long-term pattern of denying your needs and practicing selflessness, you know, uh, it's going to take some practice to reconnect with yourself and, and, and reconnect and have that trust and um, knowing of what it is that you want and need. So if that is you, here is a quick way to start giving yourself what you need in the absence of knowing, you know, really what your um, priorities and focus are. Ask yourself, what are the top three emotions that you want to feel most often in life? And once you pick those three emotions, then you can ask yourself, what would it help me feel this way? And also before you say yes to anybody else to giving, you ask yourself, will this bring me closer to feeling A, B, or C? Those, those three emotions that you have chosen for yourself, right? So to recap, we're checking in with our gimme. We're going to be mindful and ask ourselves, what's my motivation for giving? We're going to be mindful and ask ourselves, who are we giving to so that we can qualify whether or not they are the person that we should be giving to, like the type of gift, um, you know, are they a taker or a matcher or um, are we giving to our most important people first? And are we giving to our most very most important relationship to ourselves first? Okay. So now let's talk about becoming 
and otherish giver. How do we do this? If you have been in a practice of being a selfless giver, we're going to have to do a little work to change that pattern. Selfless givers have a lack of boundaries more often than not, right? Um, when we give without boundaries, that's how we end up burnout, overwhelmed, resentful, and your needs and desires coming last. So if you've been feeling burnout, overwhelmed, resentment, or not having your needs met, then you probably lack some boundaries. So another way to know if you lack boundaries is if you are saying yes too much in order to have people like you, to have them not be mad at you, in order to make them think good thoughts about you, in order to people please, in order to be the very best and to, you know, um, in order to try to feel better. Um, you might also have a lack of boundaries if you are saying too much no right? This is when, uh, sometimes when we have been in the pattern of too much, yes. And we're like, this is, I can't keep doing this. I'm dying. We swing the pendulum far too, uh, far too much to the other side. And we go to too much. No. And we almost become, um, recluses and say no to everything and avoid all people and don't follow through on commitments. So, um, that's also a lack of boundaries, right? And attempting to control all of the things. If you're trying to control other people's behavior, the, the way that everything goes down, um, that is also a boundary, right? We usually try to control other people's behavior in order to make ourselves feel better. Um, but you know, what's easier than making people trying to make other people change so that you can feel better is, um, changing yourself <laughs> so that you feel better. That is always the most effective way to feel better, right? But if we are in a controlling place where we're trying to tell everyone else um, what to do to, in order to make us feel better, that is a clear sign of a lack of boundaries. So you also need to decide or look at what are you tolerating in life? Are there things that you are tolerating that just grind your gears, that um, bother you, that make you feel resentful, that make you feel unappreciated, um, things that like you do for no recognition, no thank you, some of that shit that you are tolerating, you just need to start saying no to. That is a boundary that needs to be cleaned up. Another good question to ask is what lifts you up? What energizes you as a giver, right? There are things that you're probably giving to that are depleting you, that don't make you happy, that don't feel good. Stop doing that shit. <laughs> Go towards the giving that feels good. Go towards the giving that energizes you. Go towards the giving that makes you feel like you're you know, having meaning in your life and that you're making a difference, right? Like I know that at, at some points I have um, volunteered at multiple organizations at a time uh, at the same time. And um, some felt so good. Like I would go and I would just be like, hell yeah, I moved the needle today. I helped someone. Like I see how my effort is creating impact. And then there were other organizations I would go and I'd be like, oh my God, we're having another meeting to talk about a meeting, to talk about a meeting and nothing is getting done. And um, it felt like a waste of time and it, or so like disorganized or, um, you know, like my skills and abilities weren't being effectively used and that depletes you. Right. And so for me, I was like, Oh, I am tolerating helping an organization that doesn't see how to, um, best utilize me versus this other one that I, I am 
being utilized and I am having an impact. So why split the time? Seriously, why split the time? So I, so I, um, you know, left the organization that I wasn't making an impact and, and put all of the time into the one that I was having an impact in. And guess what? I doubled my impact immediately through that decision. And I doubled my energy and excitement and enthusiasm because I was only working at the place that lifted me up as a giver. Another way to do this, to install proper boundaries is we need to decide if the places that we are giving are aligned with our priorities and needs. If they are no longer aligned with our priorities and needs, then we need to go back and say no, that we're no longer available. Here's the bottom line about boundaries. People respect people with boundaries. People disrespect people without boundaries. I used to not have boundaries. I used to feel disrespected all the damn time. Guess what? Once I installed some boundaries, people don't fuck with me. (laughs) Very rarely does someone try to disrespect me and I put them in their place when they do. Okay. So if you are being disrespected, it's probably because you're lacking some boundaries. And I know that you're sitting there being like, yeah, but how do I change that? Yeah, but my family's going to be upset. Yeah, but. (laughs) So here's what I got for your yeah, buts, friend. We've got to retrain your people. If you have been in the habit of being a selfless giver with no boundaries, it's going to be awkward at first, but the people around you will figure it out. You, so here's, um, you know, the people who are closest to us, the people on our post-its, that's where you probably need to do the most work in retraining, right? In terms of our kids, we want to reframe this change as a benefit to them. We're going to teach them how we're helping them become an independent human. We're setting them up for being a successful adult. You know, maybe um, they are 14 and you're still doing their laundry. Guess what? Hey, mom's going to give this back to you. In a few short years, you're going to be out in the world. And if you don't know how to get clean chonies, my friend, (laughs) I am not doing my job as your mom. In terms of retraining your spouse, you're going to need to have a conversation. We're going to need to talk about the division of labor within the home, with the children, with all of the things. And we're going to need to talk about rebalancing that and finding a way to make it equitable. I will say this in your spouse's defense. They're probably doing shit that's not even on your radar that you don't give them credit for. (laughs) So when we often, when I'm like, oh my God, I do so much more than Jason with W2F. um, I'm not thinking about the fact that he takes the garbage out and he takes the bins out for the weekly collection. I'm not thinking about how he picks up the dog poop. I'm not thinking about how he takes care of the yard and, and um, picks up our mail and, 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 and different things that he does, right? Like, I'm just want to be angry about how he's not doing things to help me. (laughs) So um, from my own personal experience, when we have this conversation with our partner, let's um, make sure that everybody's getting to contribute to the list of all of the labor that is being done. And we look at all the entirety of the list and say, um, based on our goals, based on our priorities, based on our needs, how should we, we rebalance this? And please don't get angry at yourselves if your list is longer and 
it's because they were unaware that you were doing so many of the things that you were doing because you never asked them to help with that. Okay. Just a little advice from doing this the wrong way before. (laughs) So here's the thing about retraining your people. They love you especially if they are the people on your post-it, they will understand. They want you to be happy. They want you to be healthy. They want you to be a, um, a loving human being, right? Like if you've been walking around burnout, depleted, uh, and resentful, I promise you, they are picking up on that. You're probably not as fun of a person to be around as you think you are. Um, so your people love you. They want you to be happy. They don't want you to be walking around fuming out your ears and your nose hole all the time looking like the cartoon character. (laughs) So I know that you're scared of having people be mad at you or disappointed with you, right? A lot of times this is, um, as selfless givers, as people pleasers, we want people to like us, to be happy with us. We don't want them to be mad or disappointed. Here are, here is a phrase that I learned that is worth its weight in gold. When you go to retrain these people, rebalance the expectations, circumstance have changed. And so have I, right? Yes. At one point I was the person who said yes to that, but circumstances have changed. And so have I, so have my needs. I am no longer able to handle this for you. I am no longer able to serve in this volunteer capacity. I am no longer able to give in this way. No is a complete sentence. We do not have to give over explanation. But if you feel like you do need to give an explanation, your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health and well-being is more than enough. That is not selfish to say, I need sleep. I need a break. I need a bath. (laughs) Right? Like, it is okay. I promise you. I promise you that they are not going to think you're a horrible person. When we role model having healthy boundaries, people respect us for having boundaries. People respect healthy people who choose their well-being. I promise you they will still see that you are a giver. They're not going to be like immediately think that you are a taker and um, only self-interested. I promise you. I promise you. Again, who is on your post-it? Those are the only people you want to quote unquote, please. And they're usually the most forgiving. Although we may have created dependence (laughs) and maybe even a little bit of entitlement, but I promise you, we can walk that back with them easier. In terms of becoming an others giver, we also need to constrain our giving, right? We don't want to keep giving more and more and more and more. It is better to go deeper in fewer areas of giving in fewer places and fewer recipients than shallow in a broad number of areas. This is another reason why I see so many givers being very ineffective. They say yes to far too many things, overextend themselves and cannot do any of those things very well. It'd be better to say yes to one to three things and give it your full attention, your full focus, your full capability than to say yes to 20 things and do them all half-ass or not even half-ass when there's that many, right? It's not all or nothing when it comes to your giving either, because there's going to be different seasons of giving based on your capacity and your needs 
right? Sometimes there might be a season where your kids all have activities at the exact same time. So you're less available to volunteer because you've got to play shuttle for the kids, right? But then in the summer, you might have more time and energy and capacity to give. Or maybe you have a busy season at your work and you have to can be completely off the radar and can't help with anything, but that doesn't mean that you can't come back, right? Um, a lot of people find out that I was a nonprofit fundraiser in a former life. And as soon as they hear that, they like come and ask me and want me to help fundraise for their organization. Like never fail. <laughs> so I try to keep it that in hiding. <laughs> um, but you know, so many people will come and ask me to help with their fundraising at their organization. And I learn, you know, I always want to find out what their expectations are, what their organization is all about, what they need. And sometimes it's a hard no, right? Sometimes I'm just not interested, or maybe I see some dysfunction in that organization and it's just, or it's just not in alignment with my current needs and priorities. So I it's, it will always be a no. And so I, I thank them kindly for thinking of me. And I say, you know, it's not something I'm able to do. Sometimes they catch me at the wrong time. Um, you know, there, I had a friend who was putting together a fundraiser event and she asked me one time if I'd be willing to help. And I was like, you know, thank you for asking me. I cannot do that right now, but please check back with me again in the future as I am interested in helping you, but I just don't currently have the capacity or the bandwidth to do that right now, right? See that? You see that? You, it's not a no forever. It's a no for right now. I am interested in supported, supporting your um, organization or your effort, but I, I do not have the capacity to give right now. When we think about constraining our giving, we want to also make sure that we are rebalancing and reprioritizing, right? And making adjustments as necessary. Maybe we've got four or five things that we're committed to um, and everything's going well, but then there's a change with the kids, change in our job, change, uh, another more important thing, opportunity for giving comes about. That's when we need to rebalance and reprioritize. So yes, maybe you said, um, yes to helping at one point, but now because circumstances have changed, your ability to give has also changed. So unfortunately, that means you might have to go back and say, you know what, I can no longer help with this, but here's why this is important. Look, I have run many nonprofit organizations and worked with volunteers. I would much rather when I was, um, you know, coordinating volunteers, have someone come and tell me, I'm sorry, I'm unable to do this any this anymore, rather than have someone who I'm expecting to help who doesn't help or helps um, in a very inefficient, ineffective way, right? Um, tell the people you can no longer do it. It enables them to find someone who would be thrilled to give in that way. Don't hold up a seat and hold up help because of your ego. We want to also, in terms of constraining our giving, look at what the intentional maxim maximum amount of giving you have the bandwidth for, right? We want to make sure and assume and allow for all of our personal needs and priorities to be met and scheduled first. All of your self-care goes on the calendar first. And then we put our post-it people on our calendar. And then we put our work on our calendar. 
and then, and only then, we see how much time and energy and bandwidth we have left for giving. And then we constrain our giving inside of that, right? So it might only look like two hours a week. It might look like 10 hours a week. I don't know. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what the different demands are. But first and foremost, we put our relationship with ourselves, our own personal needs, our physiological needs, our mental, emotional, spiritual, physical needs on our agenda first. Then we put our most important relationships. Then we put our work, our other priorities, if there's anything else in there that I haven't covered. And then, and only then, we decide and determine how much time and bandwidth we have for giving. And we only say yes to the bandwidth that we have to allocate for that, okay? So we wanna train ourselves to start asking ourselves these questions before we say yes to helping. Do I have bandwidth for this? Can I execute the responsibilities or expectations fully? Do I actually want to do this? Oh man, isn't that a good one? Do I actually want to? <laughs> is this really a priority for me? Look, other people, it is a priority for them. As a volunteer organizer, it was very important to me that those um, roles got filled. It was a priority to me as the person asking, but it wasn't always the priority to the person who I was asking. And that is fine. I wanted to find the people who really, really wanted to help, who really, really wanted to do the work. Okay. It saying no is actually helping them. If you have no intention of saying yes, what saying no is actually the most helpful thing that you can do if you do not have the bandwidth to give. So go forth from listening today and conduct a giving audit. I want you to look at all the ways you're currently giving. Put it all out on paper, dump it out of your brain. And now from an otherish giving lens, you need to decide what needs to go, what needs to stay, what needs to be cleaned up, what boundaries need to be installed, what humans in your life need to be retrained, okay? I want you to be the most effective giver that you can be because I know you have so much love in your heart because you want to make a difference in the world because you want to help people. But my friends, I hope that over the series of these three episodes that you have learned that you cannot give at the expense of yourself. We cannot continue denying our needs because we are not effective givers when we do that. We want to retrain our brains to become otherish givers. We can have a high self-interest and a high other's interest. We can be givers who give to ourselves first. This is our work, okay? I promise you I'm on the other side of this. I am now a very otherish giver. My needs are always met. And I'll tell you what, I am able to help people in such a more profound way. And I go so much deeper with my giving because I take care of myself. I don't experience that burnout. I don't experience resentment and exhaustion. I don't have compassion fatigue. In fact, I'm so fucking powerful as a giver now. <laughs> 
Um, I'm kind of unstoppable. So please, please, please do this work. If you would like some help changing your relationship with giving, I would like to help you. I'm taking new one-on-one clients. And like I said, towards the end of the year, beginning of the year, um, you can watch for the Good Fight Club, where I am going to help change makers and givers become fit to fight, more resilient, so you can take on the bigger challenges in the world. All right, my friends, that's it. I know this one went longer. It was pretty deep, but look, it's so important because like I said, the world needs givers, the world needs helpers, and we need our givers and helpers to be as effective, as impactful, as powerful, as purposeful, as energized, and vibrant as fucking possible. So let's go. All right. I will talk to you again real soon. Ciao, ciao. If you're ready to execute and achieve your big, bold, unapologetic goals and dreams, join us in the Ambitious Women's Collective Facebook group. It's a space for ambitious leaders, innovators, and change makers. And hey, you belong here too. Come make big things happen with us over at myyeslife.com forward slash group.